How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Did you come ready to hear from God? All right. Well, I am so glad that you are here. Uh, I want to welcome everybody that's here and anybody watching via uh, the webpage uh, online. Uh, as a matter of fact, I found out just a few minutes ago that my daughter and son are watching right now. So Andrew and Alyssa, hello. Uh, I'm going to speak just to you. I want you to listen, pay attention. This is a good word for you. Okay. Um, hey, before I jump in, and, and I, I, I woke up this morning so excited about this message. And so I need to call myself, and I'm going to do that in just a minute. But before I do that, Pastor John asked me to give a, a brief announcement. Um, last weekend, he did a Israel trip informational meeting. And for those there, I think there was 65, 70 people there at that meeting, which was a great turnout. Um, and half of the bus is already been reserved for that trip. Uh, but in the next seven to 10 days, he needs to make the decision on whether or not they're going to be able to take that trip. And so if you are interested at all, or maybe you came to that meeting and you just haven't given your deposit yet, we need you to do so this week. And so if you need to get more information or if you need to give that deposit, uh, please contact our secretary, Janet Sesmat, and you can do so by emailing her at janet at jfc.org or call the church office. But uh, again, it's a time-sensitive deal. Uh, Pastor John needs to make a decision here in the next seven to 10 days. And so if you have any interest at all in that Israel trip that'll be taking place in September, please contact uh, Janet this week, okay? All right, uh, okay, are you guys ready? All right, I need to pray and calm myself down uh, because I'm just so excited about this message and I, and I hope that you will walk away going, man, that was, that was really good. So I'm gonna ask that the Lord would use me. Uh, would you pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would come in and speak to you as I'm praying this? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the fact that we can gather together, um, that we can hear your word, that, um, Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit, uses messages like this, um, and you make them so much more than just speeches or lectures. God, you make them life-giving words. And so, Lord, I pray that right now I would decrease and that you would increase. And, Lord, I ask that... Um, the words that I speak would be from your throne room. Would, they would be from your heart. And God, I pray um, that you would communicate your heart. God, that, that every word I speak would just penetrate into the hearts, into the lives, and into the minds of every single person listening to this message. And Lord, we give you this service, and we ask you to change us, change our lives, change the way that we think about things. And we thank you in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, um, for those of you that might not know, we are in the middle of a series called Obey, and this is the third message, and the whole purpose of this series is to take a look at the three elements that make us uh, who we are, which is our body, our soul, our mind, will, and our emotions, and our spirit. And how many of you know that if one of those areas are off in our life, the other two suffer? I'm going to ask for feedback, and that's the good place where you go, yes. Okay. Um, and so... Um, here's, here's the truth, and Pastor John has done such an incredible job um, kicking us off. The truth is, if our bodies get out of whack, it's hard to get spiritually aligned with the things of God. It's hard to have the right thoughts, isn't it? And so the whole series ha has, has been and is designated to really go after those areas that maybe we haven't lined ourselves up, whether it's in our body or in our mind and our spirit, to what God wants us to do. And so as I was preparing and as I was praying for this message, I felt like the Lord actually brought me back to the first series that Pastor John did this year, which was called For Christ's Sake. And the whole message of that is that everything that we do should be for Christ's sake. And in one of those messages, he actually gave us three points, which I thought was so good. And I felt like the Lord told me to use those three points today in this message. And the three points were, were this. You need to become aware of what God is doing in your life. You need to engage in the things that God is doing in your life. And as you do that, you become transformed into becoming more Christ-like. Do you guys remember that? And so uh, for those of you that like three points in a poem, well, there you go. There's your three points. Aware, engage, and transform. And so I get to kick off the two messages in this series that deal with our minds. And I really felt like uh, the Lord, again, spoke to me those three points, and, and so let's talk about that. The first thing you need to uh, come to an understanding is that when it comes to our thoughts and to, way, to the way that we think, we need to become aware of what we're thinking about, don't we? 
I mean, this whole series is about becoming aware the areas in our life that we are not lining up according to God's word in regards to our body and our mind and our spirit. And, um, you know, the series is called Obey. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to take just a little bit of time and, and stop and, and talk about that word obey. Because I think a lot of people, and, and maybe you here today when I say, hey, we need to obey God. I think there's this perception in this picture. And I know for a fact that people in the world... So, for instance, coworkers or, or neighbors or maybe family members that know, don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, when you tell them, hey, our church is doing this series on obeying God, the picture that comes into their mind is slavery. Yeah? I recently watched a movie that talked about slavery. It was a, based on a true story, and it was back in the mid-1800s here in America. There was a black gentleman who actually lived in New York and was a free man, and he got tricked and ultimately ended up being sold into slavery. And the whole movie was about the next 12 years of his life as a slave. Can you imagine being a free man and then all of a sudden finding yourself waking up and having to do these things that you do not want to do. And that's the picture I think the world gets. And in this movie, what was so, I mean, it broke my heart is that another person, I don't care what color they are, another person could treat another person so poorly. See, when this person bucked the authority and spoke against his master, he would get beaten and badly. Or how about this? When he didn't bring in enough cotton on the day when they were picking cotton or whatever, if he didn't bring enough, he would get whipped. And I think a lot of people, especially people in the world, they think when we talk about obedience to Christ, that if we don't come along and have the right attitude towards our Heavenly Father, or if we don't produce enough, we have this mentality that God is going to beat us. And church, I'm telling you, that is not our loving Father. We have got to change that mindset. I mean, talk about a great thing to get reversed out of your mind right there. That's one right there. And I love what Pastor John did in the first message when he communicated that obedience to Christ doesn't create bondage. It actually creates freedom in our lives. And so let's look at a few of the areas in our thought life. How many of you know that every single one of us listening to this message right now struggle in our thought life? There's not a single person exempt from this. There is some area in every single one of our lives that we struggle in how we think about things. And so I posed a question on Facebook this week, like I often do when I'm preaching, and I just said, hey, what is an area or areas in your life in which you have poor thinking? And I got all kinds of great responses. Responses like, uh, I often struggle thinking that I'm not a good parent. Or I have anxious thoughts. Or I have thoughts of fear, of worry. I have thoughts of not getting a full understanding of the fact that I'm a child of God or I have a poor perception of who I am in him. I mean, I have got all kinds of great responses. I'm gonna take a minute and stop for just a second. Underneath every one of your seats is a little card and a pencil. And I'm gonna ask you that at some point in this message, if God's Holy Spirit puts one of those thoughts, I'm going to call them stinking thinking. <laughs> if God reveals one of those thoughts that is a, a poor thought that you shouldn't have in your brain, I would like you to write it down on that note card. Because how many of you know that God's Holy Spirit can speak to us at any point in a message? So for instance, some of you might be thinking right now, oh man, I wish Pastor John was preaching this weekend. <laughs> stinking thinking. Write it down. Now, I'm just kidding, and I know, I know you love me, and I appreciate that. Uh, but it's amazing how quickly just negative thoughts come in like that, isn't it? And so as we go through this message, any thought that might come to mind, I want you to go ahead and write it down. You can tune me out. I'm totally okay with that. And tune into the Holy Spirit and just write those things down, okay? Now, here's, here's some of the things that I wanted to talk about real quick. Think about struggles that you might be aware of because the first part of this in, in engaging or in, in capturing the thoughts in our head is we have to become aware of those thoughts. And so some of those thoughts may be, um, uh, so for instance, anxious thoughts. How many of you have ever had an anxious thought? Okay, you're the first group that has been actually honest with me. Man, anxiety comes, huh? 
we get these thoughts of worry that happen real quick. So let me just ask you a real quick question. I'm going to ask for your feedback here. When you have those anxious thoughts, does that bring you freedom or bondage? bondage. Isn't it amazing? But you know the word of God says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, bring it before the Lord. And the peace of un, uh, that goes beyond understanding will come upon you. Now, when that peace comes upon you, is that freedom or bondage? Freedom. It's freedom, isn't it? It's amazing when we align our thoughts according to how God wants us to align our thoughts. How about this one? Finances. Oh, are we really going here? Yeah, I'm really going here. Let's talk about this for a second. Do you know that the Word of God actually speaks about money more than almost any other subject? God has put in His Word the ability to have great freedom in our finances. One of the scriptures actually says this, that when you go into debt, you become a slave to the lender. We actually have one of our credit cards that is so bold as to call itself the master card. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but where are you in your life? Do you feel free in your finances or do you feel like you have bondage? And I submit to you, are you obedient to God? Have you become obedient to God? Here's what I do know, that if you will obey God in your finances, you know what takes place? Great freedom. You begin to have resource that you never thought maybe you could possibly have because you become a good steward of that resource. But when you do things the way the world says, and it's funny because the world says there's great freedom in those things. Man, think about it. You could have the toy of your dream right now. Just sign this dotted line. And you think, oh, that's going to bring me such freedom. What does it do? <laughs> you feel good for a day or two, right? And then you have to carry that for five or six years or 30. Okay, well, okay, move on. Okay, I got it. I got it. All right, let's go on to a different one. How about this one? And I only use this one because I think this is a great illustration of the world saying something that is so free but the truth that it's just bondage. And I don't mean to isolate or pull anybody out in particular, but I just think it's a good example. If you're a couple and you're living together and you're not married, the world says this. The world says that it's great freedom. You can, you know, we live in America, the, the land of the free, and so you get to do whatever you want. And if you really want to know whether you're compatible with somebody, you should live with them for a while, and you should test it out and make sure and see if it works out. And there's great freedom in this. I've been in ministry for 20, 20 years, and I want to tell you, church, that a lot of my counseling has to deal with soul ties that somebody had that they did when they were a teenager or when they were in their early 20s. See, the truth is, God set up marital relationships in a way that there's incredible freedom when you do it according to the way that God wants it to be done. But when you do it outside of the word of God, when you don't line up, when you're not obedient in that, yeah, it may seem like there's this great level of freedom, but the truth is you lock your souls together with that person. And then when that relationship separates, man, you have to deal with the tearing away of that. And it hurts and it is heavy and it is a huge burden. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's amazing the difference of freedom and bondage that comes when we line ourselves up to how we think about things. I don't have enough time to go through the whole list that I throw in your notes, but you can think about all the different ways. And again, like I said, I'm gonna call it stinking thinking. And here's the truth. The stinking thinking that we have can come on our own. Boy, we do a good job all by ourselves, don't we? But here's another reality and another truth. Stinking thinking comes from other people too. If you put yourself in the wrong group of people, it's amazing how quickly you start to think like that group of people. There's a, word of, there's a section in the Word in Corinthians that says this, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I don't have time to go into it, but um, 
When it says bad company corrupts good character, I want you to understand the context that that's in. Sure, all of us automatically think people that are doing uh, you know, things that are evil things or things that are, uh, don't line up to the word of God, uh, you know, how easy that is to fall into that trap. And yeah, bad company corrupts good character. But I challenge you, read the context of that scripture. John taught us last week, make sure you read the scriptures before and after and see what the context is. The context of that verse, listen to me right here, because this is so good. The context of that scripture is about the Pharisees arguing with other people about the resurrection of the dead. They're actually talking about legalistic things, and they're, they're arguing back and forth about the law of God. And in the middle of that, Paul says, do not, I, I just lost it. It says bad company corrupts good character. Bad company, in other words, legalism. Something maybe you've been taught in a, in a church situation that you took on and you said, man, this is what everybody has to do and how they have to do. Guess what? If that thought doesn't line up with Christ, then it is a burden. That's a burden on your life. Do you know who Christ irritated the most? The Pharisees. Why? Because he was hearing the thoughts of God, the things that lined up with his father. He never did anything apart from his father. He lined his life up to that, and it irritated the legalist guys. Where are you today? Maybe you're not running with the bad crowd, but are you running with the legalistic crowd? Does that line up to God? Okay, I can see that. I should move on, okay. <laughs> okay, so first part is you become aware. All right, and if you sit here and, and you haven't written anything down on that, on that piece of paper yet, and you go, well, Pastor Dan, nothing's really coming to mind. Well, then here's what I would challenge you to do. I want you to go ahead and ask your spouse. <laughs> yeah, nervous laughter. <laughs> ask a close friend, ask a coworker, ask your boss. How do I do thinking? I mean, do I have, am I thinking properly? Because you know what, here's the truth. Sometimes we get so deceived in our own brain that we don't know where the stinking thinking is and we need other people to come alongside us and help us out. I wanna encourage you throughout this entire series, we've encouraged you to sign up for these obey groups. And I know for some of you that's an entirely, it's just like, whoa, I don't wanna do that. But I want to encourage you, we're asking for four more weeks of commitment. Go online, click on the link, Go sign up for a group, stretch yourself, challenge yourself, and get involved in these groups. We're just talking about what we're talking about in the weekend message, but you get to interact with the group and talk about that. And you may find some areas where you can help somebody in their thinking. Notice how I twisted that that way? <laughs> and actually where they could come and help you with your thinking. Sign up for one of those things if you haven't. Okay, so you become aware, and, and you just simply ask God, help me to be aware of the areas that I have poor thoughts. Then the second thing that you need to do is you need to engage those thoughts. <coughs> the section of scripture I use in, in this is 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, and it says this, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive. Let me just ask you real quickly, this morning, how you doing? I mean, have you really taken every thought captive and said, okay, that thought, you know, doesn't line up to God. That thought, oh yeah, it does. That thought does. Uh, have you done that? Or are you like me who just kind of sets into cruise control? You wake up and you just get into your day and you just kind of cruise along and you let your thoughts meander wherever they want to go. Let me give you the context of what Paul's teaching here. He wrote this letter to the church of Corinth, and actually at the beginning of, of that chapter, um, he actually says, I am going to be incredibly bold with you right now. And he starts to say, we don't fight the way that the world fights with the weapons that the world has. Another section of scripture says, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against powers and principalities around us. And he's reminding the church of Corinth of that. And you have to picture the situation. The church in Corinth, Okay, the, at the time was under the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire was very much run this way that if you tried to resist them at all they would come and take you captive because they didn't want any resurgence to come under and try to um, make it, their empire weak and so they would take every person that would stand against them and they would take them captive 
they saw Roman soldiers around them at all times. There was a presence, a heavy presence of Rome everywhere. And this is the context that Paul is writing this in when he says we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And I was talking to the teaching team about this, and one of the campus pastors actually brought up a teaching they had heard. And I thought, oh my gosh, that illustrates it so well. And here's the teaching that he had heard. When you take something captive, when a Roman soldier would take a person that was trying to create some kind of riffle, um, when, when he would take them captive, what he would do is he would come alongside them right behind him and he would take his sword and he would aggressively stab him in the back. Mm. Anybody sit up straighter right there? Ah. And then what he would do is now that he's got his sword in his back, all he would have to do is move it to the left or the right a little bit and that, 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 that person, that captive, would go anywhere he wanted him to go. Picture that when I again read this scripture. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. See, God makes you aware of these things. Then what you need to do is become aggressive about attacking or engaging with that thought. And so what you do is you just go after it and stab it. And then now guess what you get to do? Now you get to manipulate where that thought goes. Now, if you don't do that, your thought will stab you in the back and treat you like a rag doll and take you wherever it wants to go. So how do you aggressively engage these thoughts? How do you do it? You repent. You repent. And I wanna make sure that I clarify something. I taught back in July what the word repent actually means. And if you didn't get to listen to that, um, I don't know if we have it on the line or not, but email me and I'll get you a copy of the message. Uh, it, it was revolutionary for me. It was a, it was a revelation to me. And I want to just briefly remind you what, what I found in studying. In the Old Testament, repent meant, if you look up the word, this is what it meant to do. And I think this is what most people think about when somebody says, I want you to repent. Here's what it means. It means that whatever you are doing, you stop doing it, you turn around, and you go the other way. That is Old Testament repenting. But look it up in the New Testament. Do your study. Go online. Biblos, B-I-B-L-O-S dot com. And you can just look up the Greek and Hebrew uh, of different words. The Greek word repent in the New Testament doesn't mean to stop doing what you're doing and turn around and go the other way. It actually means something different. Here's what the word repent in the New Testament means. It means to change the way you think. You change the way you think. And so to captive, to aggressively take a thought captive is you take it aggressively, and you then change the way you think about think, that thing, and then you begin to navigate that thought down where you want it to go. Does that make sense? And here's the thing, you can't ease up on it. It's not like once you aggressively go after that thought and go, oh, yeah, God makes you aware of it, and you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't be thinking that. So you take it captive, and then you go, now you're going to line up to, to what the Word of God says. The enemy goes, oh, oh, you got the revelation? Okay, I'll leave you alone. That's not what the enemy of our soul does. You know what the enemy does? He goes after us even more. Because the enemy loves to create well-worn paths in our brain, doesn't he? And this is what makes this message so hard to communicate because what the enemy uses in my life to get me thinking wrong is not what he uses in your life because it might not work for you. And the things that the enemy uses to get to you, I don't struggle with. And so it's so hard to communicate, okay, what maybe is that lie? Here's all I know is that he's a liar. And he's been lying from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve stumbled because of a lie. That's his only trick. Maybe not his only trick, but that is his biggest trick, is to try to deceive us and to lie to us and get us thinking, to get us in that stinking thinking place. And then what he does is he tries to get those thoughts to navigate where we go instead of us cap captivating those thoughts and telling our thoughts where we're going to go. 
And so you have to stay on top of it. You know, they say, whoever they is, they say it takes 21 or 22 days to create a habit. So when you engage, when you become aware of these thoughts and you engage these thoughts, you're going to have to spend at least three weeks, probably more than that, actively navigating this thought, engaged into it, and making sure you don't go back to the old pattern. And when you do that, the third thing begins to happen, and that's transformation. And at this point, uh, you know, the, the, the easy scripture at this point is to go to Romans 12 too. And we've taught it so many times at this church. I mean, okay, so do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of then you'll be able to test and approve God's good, perfect, and pleasing will, right? Pastor John has done an incredible job. I've taught on that section of Scripture, and so I'm studying for this word, and I'm asking God, God, can I please not use Romans 12 too? And this thought comes to mind, and I believe it was from the Holy Spirit. Look up the word transform. So I look it up in the New Testament. It's used four times. Four times, only four times. Twice... It's used when Jesus takes three of the disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and right before their very eyes, he is transformed in front of them. That's two of them. One of them's in Romans, and the third one, or the fourth one, sorry, is found right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And let me set up the context. Paul is telling the church of Corinth and reminding them of the way back olden days when Moses used to go talk to God and he'd be up on the mountain and he'd get off the mountain and he'd come walk into the Israelites and his face would be on fire with the glory of the Lord. So much so that the people were afraid of him and they wouldn't go talk to Moses. And so what the word, God, what the word of God says is that they would put a veil over Moses' face so he could talk to the people. And that's the context that this scripture is in. And it picks up in verse 14, it says this, but their minds were made dull. As soon as I read those six words, I snapped to attention because I thought, man, we're talking about being obedient in our minds and how can we be obedient in our minds when we're dull? And I think we have a whole lot of people in church today that are dull in their thinking. Another reason to join a group, as a man, as iron sharpens iron, a man will sharpen another man's countenance. We sharpen ourselves when we get in relationship. I don't know who that's for, because I didn't say that in any other service, but there's great truth in that. Our minds sometimes become dull, and it goes on and says this, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed. Because only in Christ is it taken away. Church, only in Jesus Christ is the dullness removed from our brains. Jesus said, I came to give life and life in abundance. And I don't know, for some reason, we always think about provision when we're talking about abundance. But how about this? What if I propose this question? If I could give you the three things today to give you absolute clarity in thinking on every subject, how much would you pay for it? And that's what Jesus Christ died for. He died to give us life and life in abundance. Abundance doesn't come in things. Abundance comes in clarity of thought and having our mind so crystal clear that we know that we know we're doing the right thing. That's when abundant life comes to me. And it only happens when Christ is interjected into your thought pattern. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Church, when you ask Jesus into your heart, you were given the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to ask a quick question. How much of the Holy Spirit did you get? Okay, so you know you get all of it, which means simply this. The glory that shone on Moses' face when he came down from the temple is inside of you. Oh, that should be good news. It's there. It's inside of you. Why am I so dull? Because you're letting a veil cover it. You're not taking your mind and you're not making it obedient to Christ. Because when you take your mind and make it obedient to Christ, listen to what comes next. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is 
freedom. See, when you take those thoughts captive and you say, okay, Spirit of God, I want you to lead that thought. I want you to help me to engage that thought. I want you to take that thought. And we together are going to work and we're going to make this go where we want to do. Guess what? Freedom comes to your life and not bondage. And God wants you free today. He wants you free of that thought that maybe for years you've been struggling with. He wants to free you from the lie. And then it goes on and says this, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. You know what, later on, or in a different book in Ephesians, Paul actually prays this, I pray that the Lord our God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. Why does he pray that? Because he understands that if we know Jesus Christ better, our thoughts and our minds will line up according to how he wants us to be. And when our thoughts and our mind lines up according to how he wants us to be, there is freedom or bondage. There's freedom. Freedom comes. God wants to transform every single one of our lives. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died. He wants to transform us into more Christ-likeness. He wants us to have more freedom. He wants us to have more clarity in our thought process. He wants us ultimately to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. And it happens through the Holy Spirit. And you have the full measure of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I'm praying and I'm asking that you would lift the veil and let God's Spirit speak to you when it comes to those thoughts. All right, so I'm going to give you an illustration real quick, and I'm going to try to wrap this thing up uh, with a picture that, quite honestly, I hope you will remember for the rest of your life. Wow, that's pretty, setting this up pretty good, huh? All right. Sorry, I'm using this cup as an illustration, so I need to drink some water. All right, I'm going to use this glass And I'm going to use the water that's in the glass as a representation of my brain. Look how clear it is. (laughs) Crystal clear thoughts. I believe with all of my heart that when God created us, he created us with the intention that we would have that type of clarity in our minds. That it would be crystal clear that we would know that we know exactly where God's leading us and what he wants us to do. And again, how much would you pay for that? I would pay a lot of money to have that kind of clarity and to know exactly what God has for me and what he wants me to do. But unfortunately, the enemy comes in and way back when deceives Adam and Eve and tells Adam and Eve a lie in which they literally bit into and took on. And they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here's what happened. And I, uh, I, I love teaching about this, but here's, here's what happened. They lost their innocence. They lost the clarity that comes from being in right relationship with the Lord. And so you and I, we're all born into this world where that clarity is gone. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant so that we could have that clarity back. And so when we ask Jesus into heart, his whole purpose and his whole reasoning, I don't know about for you, but when I ask Jesus in my heart, I can remember the clarity that all of a sudden came to me in places that I used to be so confused. All of a sudden, I had great insight and clarity, and I think that that's exactly what God wants us to do. And so here's my brain, and I'm asking God, how do I, how do I, symbol, how do I give this illustration in a way that everybody can receive it? Because the truth is, the thought process that I'm going to just take you down that I went through, I'm going to use a real-life example is not yours. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you take my, um, my willingness to be open with you and transparent with you, will you take that and apply it to your thinking and maybe some of the thoughts and areas you've struggled in? Does that make sense? So let me tell you what happened to me two weeks ago. And we're not talking about the Broncos. <laughs> Though there was a whole other line of thinking I needed to correct. <laughs> All right. Two weeks ago, if you remember, um, it was super cold. You guys remember that? 
Uh, probably hard to remember on a nice day like this today. Uh, but the truth is the high, I think that day was eight or nine degrees. The low got below zero um, and it was snowing. It snowed Wednesday, it snowed Thursday, it snowed Friday. And now here we are, Saturday afternoon. I'm getting ready to come to actually the Saturday afternoon service at three o'clock and it's starting to snow again. And it was snowing pretty hard. And do you remember how terrible the roads were? I mean, the roads were super terrible. And so... Um, a, Here's, here's what happened. I'm getting ready to go, and I do what I know none of you did at all during that time period, but I started to complain about how cold it was. Oh, wait, you know what? Before I do that, um, is complaining about how cold the weather is, is that really stinking thinking? Well, you know what? The truth is you can focus on how bad the weather is, or you could focus on the fact that, you know what? The snow actually brings us the moisture that we need to live on. The sun, though veiled by the clouds, is still there keeping us warm enough where we don't freeze to death. The earth is close. You know, all of those things, you could be focused in on that, right? You know, um, there's a scripture I put in your notes that says, like muddied waters is a man when he gives way to the wicked. And I'm going to be kind of black and white right now, but the truth is this. If the thought doesn't line up to the obedience of Christ, it's a wicked thought. And not a resounding amen there. I, I didn't think I'd get that. But the truth is this, uh, and I love what Pastor John says a lot of times, we cannot afford to have a thought that in our brain that does not line up to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because here's what happens. And it's just a little complaint about the cold. You know, isn't it funny that we complain about the cold weather and then in August we're complaining about how hot we are? Guess what we complain? And I want, to, I want to give you a picture of what happens to my brain. This is my brain when I start to complain and have a negative thought. This is food coloring, and I believe this is a good representation of what happens. Look, at first it's really subtle, but then look at it on the camera. Oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> look how it just starts to vein its way through my brain. You know, there's scientific research that when you think negatively, it actually impacts your brain and it actually goes into the cells of your brain and it starts to take over. I mean, that's just scientific. They don't even believe in God, but they know that the negative thoughts actually start to take over your brain and that's exactly what happens. Well, just so you know, on this one night, two nights ago, or two weeks ago, um, it's about 2.10 um, and I'm complaining about the weather, and then my son comes up to me and tells me, hey, Dad, I would like to drive down to Castle Rock. He just recently got his license. Okay, anxiety, worry, doubt, okay. <laughs> right? Okay, and so he comes up to me and tells me that he, he has to go to Castle Rock because he's on the worship team that weekend, and he wants to go to church down there. Now, I want you to notice something. Um, there's... there's some cloudiness in there, but there's still some clarity, okay? I mean, there, there is still a little bit of clarity in there, but it's starting to get a little muddied, right? You know, uh, another scripture I put in your notes there, it says, uh, a, little, a little yeast works through the whole batch. One thought, two thoughts, a little train of thought. This happened within five minutes in my life, okay? Um, and so he then proceeds to tell me that he's on the worship team, he has to go, and the reality comes to my brain that I can't say no to him. He actually has a responsibility. He needs to go. And so fear, I, I'm going to give a couple doses of fear comes into my brain. All right. And so now fear is interjected into the fact that I'm complaining about the weather, that I'm anxious, that I'm worried. Anybody relate to this? Well, and then the, the very next thing that happens is I begin to have vain imaginations. And vain imaginations, man, they take you places that God never intended you to go. And in this particular illustration, here's my vain imagination. I am picturing my son on I-25 on the side of the road, his car flipped up the side, the window broke, it's snowing, he's freezing to death and bleeding along with his sister in the passenger car. Oh my goodness. <laughs> why do we do that? Let me tell you why. Because out of the tens of thousands of people that drove that afternoon from Highlands Ranch to Castle Rock, the one story we hear on the news is the one that went bad. Yes or no? And so the reality is that sometimes bad things happen. And so therefore, our brains automatically go to the worst possible scenario. We go onto a bridge in our head that God never intended us to be on. 
Does that make sense? So this happened in just a matter of minutes. Look how, I mean, there's still a little bit of clarity, but man, am I thinking straight right now? The heck no. I'm trying to figure out all the ways I can tell him, no, you cannot go, right? Then the Lord grabs a hold of me and says, dude, you're thinking wrong about this. And I go, okay. And I do. I practice what I preach. I decide, you know what, I'm going to repent. But here's the problem. I Old Testament repent. And here's what Old Testament repenting looks like. I know I shouldn't have that vain imagination. I know he's not going to be on the side of the road, I-25 flipped over with the snow coming, bleeding and freezing to death, right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to think that vain imagination anymore. So what do I do? I go into my thoughts and I decide I'm going to remove that thought. How's it working for me? How's it working? It's actually what? It's actually worse, isn't it? Do you know there's a section in, in Romans that says when you try to attack something in your flesh, it actually stirs up the flesh and makes it worse? And so if I try to remove the thought, I actually don't stop thinking about the thought, but I actually think about the thought even more. Anybody lay in bed thinking that way? Now how clear of thought am I? I'm not at all. And as a matter of fact, some people are so shaken at this point, they are literally paralyzed at what they can do. They won't let their kids do things because they're so paralyzed with fear and anxiety and worry and vain imaginations. They won't let themselves do things that God is calling them to do. And they're very clouded. Th you know, I did, I loved this illustration so much, I practiced it like seven times at my house. And one of the times I was seeing how much food coloring I could actually get into the half glass of water. And here, here's the amazing thing. I got it to the place where it was so dark in thought that you couldn't even see the food coloring dropping in there anymore. And church, I think some of us, some of you listening to me today could be so clouded in your deception right now that you don't even realize the negative thoughts that you're allowing to come into your brain. And I want to encourage you, please, Go before the Lord. If you find an area of your life that there's such great cloudiness, go before the Lord. Get, get with a counselor. Email me. Hey, now, here's the trick, though. Be humble and willing to receive where you think you may not be thinking improperly because it gets so cloudy that this becomes your norm and you think it's crystal clear. Okay, so what do we do then? Well, Here's, here's what I had to do. I had to New Testament repent. And here's what New Testament repent looks like. You know what? I decided I'm not going to complain about how cold it is anymore. I'm going to realize God's great provision that comes through moisture. And I'm going to realize that I haven't frozen to death, that I'm on this planet that keeps me pretty much between the temperatures that I need to be. And I'm just so grateful for that. And so I started to, instead of trying to remove the thoughts, I actually started to replace the thoughts with God thoughts of, man, thank you for your provision and thank you for your grace. Thank you for the fact that we're in a place that, you know, we don't burn up or freeze to death. I mean, it's just amazing, right? Now, do I have clarity of thought? Eh, it's still a little muddy. Right? So remember, you got to engage and then you got to keep on it. Right? And so I decided, you know what? There's a section of scripture that says uh, in Philippians that I'm to be anxious about nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, bring it before the Lord and um, in thanksgiving, and then the peace of his spirit will come upon me. And man, that is good stuff. And then when I, I, I get to the church, I actually tell my friend Marcus, I said, man, my son is driving to Castle Rock. And he's like, oh man, we'll be praying for you. But I want you to know, God has always watched after your son and he's with you and everything's gonna be okay and he confirms and he encourages me. Um, and then I go to my wife and I say, Kim, you know, here's, here's where I've been struggling. And she reminds me of the section of scripture in your notes. And you know, Pastor John is going to follow this up next week talking about the word of God and how it washes over and it makes our thoughts and our mind more clear and obedient to God. But she reminds me of whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is good, holy, think about these things. And so, you know what, instead of thinking about Andrew in the ditch, I'm going to start thinking about the things of God. 
man, it's amazing what begins to take place. And as I continue to do all of these things, over and over, I just keep, instead of trying to remove the thought, I just replace it with God thoughts. And look at this, after a short time, oh my goodness, I'm back to clarity. Just so that you know, every time I did this experiment, it took about 10 times the amount of water that was in the cup to make it clear. So think about that. For every negative pattern of thought that you let yourself go down, it's going to take about 10 replacement thoughts to actually even start getting clarity back into your life. And the enemy hates that. He's going to want to come and steal and keep dropping those negative thoughts. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Good illustration? Yeah. All right. Honestly, I hope you never forget it. I hope when you see the color of frosting on a cookie and realize food coloring was put in, you're like, oh, yeah, that illustration. <laughs> or you see the little tube of food coloring. Whatever it is, I hope that you never, ever forget this illustration because I think it is such a great picture of how the enemy wants to come in and lie to us and how God wants to come in and replace it and give us clarity again. Pretty cool illustration with the close-up camera, isn't it? Okay, sorry. All right, so here's what we're going to do. It is one hour and four minutes. So I haven't gone super long, um, and I'm going to describe what we're going to do during our response time, and I pray that every single one of you would stay and participate in this because I think it's a powerful way to actually begin the process of transforming the way that we think about things. And so once again, there's cards under your chair. If you haven't already pulled it out and started writing thoughts, I want you to pull that out. There's also a pencil down there so that you have something to write with. And here's what we're going to do. During this first song that the worship team is going to lead in, I want you just to sit there and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to speak to your mind. And here's what I want you to ask. Heavenly Father, is there any stinking thinking going on in my life? And pay very close attention to your first thought and write it down. And as soon as you write that thought down, I want you to go back to the Lord and say, God, is there any other areas in my life that I'm not thinking properly? Pay very close attention to your first thought and write it down. Keep doing this practice during that first song until you just really, nothing else comes to mind. And then I want you to just hold on to that card. And then we're going to go into the second song. And Pastor Jonathan is going to ask everybody to stand up and worship during that second song. And as you do that, here's what I would like you to do. I would like you at some point during the second song. Now, this is our fullest service, and so I'm going to need some cooperation. <laughs> what an opportunity for some stinking thinking to come in right here. Um, here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to bring that poor thinking, and I want you to bring it up to this altar. And as you can see, it's not that our janitor didn't clean the stage. It's that we've been doing this all weekend. And I want you to just, if, when you get up here, if you can see it right now, but I want you to look at all of the thoughts and all of the lies that have been put on this altar. And what I would like you to do today is I would want you to do the same thing that I've asked all other services to do, and I want you to come up to the altar of God, and I want you to rip that up. You know what? The smaller the pieces, the better. And I want you to just rip that stinking thinking up, and I want you to give it to God at the altar. And I, I mean, I had people kneeling at the altar. We had people just standing there contemplating, okay, God, replace. Here's, here's a great practice. Reveal the lie to me, and when you get up here, ask God to reveal the truth to you. And then however you want to do it, I had people blowing the cards onto the altar. I had one person last night take the card and go. And it was awesome. I think I actually saw paper bounce. It, it was amazing. Whatever way it is, I want you to do that. And then here's what we want you to do after that. At the candle stations, at the communion stations, we don't have any live people there serving you, but at all of the communion stations, we have communion still there. But we also have these little note cards. And on these note cards are who you are in Christ. And it actually says the lie and the truth and then the scripture. And I don't have, we didn't have enough room on the paper to put all of the lies and all of the truth, but it's a good starting place. And so what we want you to do is come up here, rip up the card, throw it on God's altar. And then we want you to go to one of the stations and grab one of those cards. Now, because there's so many people in here, I want you to be patient. There's a lot of people in here. 
And there's cards, remember, just because you're up here, you could also go back and go back to the back crosses and get those cards. Just understand, we're going to have a flow problem. But that's a good thing. Okay? It means that God is speaking to people and people are getting real. Pastor Dan, will my thinking change because I'd rip that card up and throw it on the, on the altar? I don't know what's going to happen. But here's what I do know. You're going to be making a statement before the Lord that says, I'm serious about this. I want to get rid of this in my life. And I want you to replace it with the truth. Then here's what we're going to do. Go grab those cards. Come back to your seat. And on the third song, we're going to celebrate the transformation that is going to come into our brains. Pastor John has taught it this way, and I, I love it. When you thank God for something that hasn't happened yet, it's faith. And so what we're going to do in that third song is we're just going to thank God as a corporate body for the transformation that's going to come in all of these negative thoughts. And we're going to rejoice in that. And then Pastor Marcus is going to come up and close with a quick word of prayer. He's going to send you out with a blessing. And here's our hope that you will leave this place different than when you came in. So please participate in this today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you are doing in this message. We thank you for what you're doing in this series. And God, we come before you right now and we ask that you would line our thoughts up according to how you want us to be thinking. So Lord, first and foremost, during this first song, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be alive and active, that it would be living as the word God says, and it would come in and penetrate into every single one of our minds and in our hearts, and that you would reveal those areas of poor thought in our life. And then, Lord, I pray that every single person in this room would be so incredibly bold, the boldness of a soldier, that they would engage in that stinking thinking and that they would begin to write it down, that they would begin to move forward, they would begin to rip it up and say to you, Lord, that they are serious about getting rid of this in their life. And then, Lord, I pray that during that song, that third song, that... Uh, you would begin to start the transformation process, that we would replace the lie with your truth as we pick up those cards and that we would begin to rejoice then in what you're gonna do in our lives. God, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We realize that we have an enemy that wants to use the well-worn paths in our lives and the word of God says that we resist him and he must flee. So Satan, we resist you right now. And we come before your Holy Spirit and we ask that you would move in our lives in the power and in the grace and in the love and the mercy of your son, Jesus Christ. And we give you all glory, honor, and praise. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Please remain seated and just write down the thoughts that God makes you aware of.